My ability to summon fish is of no use for this toppling building. Representing the United States West Coast, Dazzler. Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. They like a little badunkadunk. Yeah. Is, is, am I allowed to say that? Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Everybody's in the midst of grief and Reed Richards' wife is hitting on the new guy. And now your hosts, Luke Matthews. I got a bandsaw in my garage. I can just take care of this. Andy Padel. What is your fascination with Peters? And Bean. Also, I think that absorbing a staff into your body, especially as a teenage girl, creepy and phallic. And Joel Simon. I don't know. I'm, I'm talking bullshit here. Welcome, everybody, to episode 44 of the Trade Secrets. I, no <laughs> I got it right, though. It's episode 44 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Uh, I am here with the usual crew. Uh, Andy Padel is across from me. Hi. And Bean is on the couch. Hello. What's Joel up? Is, Joel is... <laughs> you stole it! I, I, there was an opening. There was a window. <laughs> I saw hope out of the corner of my eye. and had to dash it immediately. What's uh, up? And the hopeless is Joel. Yeah. Um, who's um, also on the couch. In a much more comfortable sick. chair than me. Yes. Um, we are... Salty, salty tears for me. Yeah, we are drinking. We're drinking. And we're podcasting. And we're talking about comic like books. Um... So, uh, what was, oh shit, there was a, oh, we were talking yesterday when we were recording the After the Fact podcast, we were talking, we got briefly on the subject of, of, um, of the Mandarin in Iron Man 3. Okay. Oh God. Uh, talking about Ben Kingsley, (laughs) talking about Ben Kingsley playing the Mandarin and how blah, blah, blah. Ben Kingsley? Yeah. So, here's the thing. Wait, wait. He plays he plays Asians well though. No no no, here's the thing. He's very white though. There's this yeah. is there's an issue that I want to bring up with this because we were talking a long time but we've we've talked several times about about different let's let's put this in the most offensive way possible. Different colored actors playing actor playing characters that aren't aren't their color. Right. Um and uh, of course uh Johnny Depp playing Tonto came up. Although apparently um, he's half native and I didn't realize that. Okay. Well, that's fine. Um sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's like saying Madonna's British. Um, so, so here, here's the thing that I that I kind of want to bring up with this is that um, it, it in in some ways, and this is actually not the argument I make because this is the first thing that I'm going to talk about is is the is the typical like ranty internet argument that's not um, that oh ranty internet argument tends to be more more ranty than anything else. But uh, nobody bitched when Michael Clark Duncan played Kingpin. Um, and Kingpin is traditionally a white character. Yeah. That's because they were afraid now, Michael Clark Duncan was going to eat them. Yeah. <laughs> now, the reason why I bring that specific character up is okay. because, to me, there's a very big difference between Johnny Depp playing Tonto, like, assuming Johnny Depp's white. Maybe he's sure. half native, but assuming he's just a white dude, there's a big difference between Johnny Depp playing Tonto and Ben Kingsley playing Mandarin. And here's what it is. Tonto is still a Native American character in that movie. Yeah. He's still oh. clearly a Native American character. Is Mandarin supposed Mandarin, to be white? Mandarin, however, Mandarin in the comic books is Chinese. He's uh-huh. still called Mandarin in the comic in the movie, but they have not like they put Ben Kingsley in the part, and it's not like they made him up to look Chinese. So I have to imagine that the character that they put in that space 
yes, he calls himself the Mandarin. He probably has some ties to China, but I don't think he's a Chinese character. So I. That's so he's where, like a white mafia guy that I just sure. over the triads I want to see him or something. Eating an orange when he comes like, out, like be like, this name will work, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, the so in in similar respect, Michael Tar- Michael Clark Duncan playing the kingpin. It wasn't that Michael Clark Duncan was in a movie playing a white guy. They changed the character to a black guy, so that Michael Clark Duncan could play the part. No, they. Did the same thing, like a perfect example to me, and and one that more closely resembles uh, Ben Kingsley playing playing Mandarin is Ra's al Ghul in the in Batman Begins, because Ra's al Ghul is like very Middle Eastern, like Arabic or or Egyptian character. Liam Neeson. <laughs> so here's my two cents. Take it or leave it, honestly. But it goes. My two cents on this is that. Discrimination might be a two-way street, but because racism is a one-way street, it's not offensive for uh, actors of color to play white characters, and it is offensive for white characters to play actors. I of disagree color. with the concept that racism is a one-way street. I, I say that it's. I do see that it's sometimes perceived that way because it's dominantly one way, but l- logically not. Okay, so is everyone sitting down, right? Yeah. Okay, go. I'm going to agree with Luke on this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What? Now, are we having this conversation because Eddie's here and I only have half a leg to stand on? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that the reason why we're doing this? No, we're we're having this because it came up again. And I mean, the other the other part, I, I, I retweeted uh, a while ago, I retweeted Ben Kachera, who was talking about the fact that um, there's also part of part of the Ben Kingsley thing is is it's really hard to call call. Uh, Ben Kingsley playing Mandarin with the whitewashing of a role when the guy's birth name is Prishna. <laughs> I mean, Ben Kingsley's yeah, birth name. Ben yeah. Kingsley is is. Did he grow up in a commune? Indian. In, he's in he's, India? he's from no. India. He's from India. His okay. parents are Indian. Um, <clears throat> but Do I know what he looks like? Because I'm thinking he played of Gandhi. Yeah. No, yeah. I think I'm thinking of the wrong person because I'm imagining uh, somebody actor that I think his name is Ben and he's very blonde. No. Ben Kingsley's <laughs> old and bald. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's so. a little better than whoever had in my head because it was whoever played who played Angel in X-Men? Oh, oh. Jesus, that's Ben um <laughs> Ben Foster. Cuz that's the image that's, that's Ben, ben Kingsley. In my head. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> that's that's so much less offensive. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. He looks kind of like uh what is, uh Freddy Krueger actor. Uh Wes yeah. F- um Robert Englund. Yeah, thank you. I the reason that I brought this up is because I'm actually getting like uh, every time I go I I make the mistake of occasionally going and reading comments on shit, which oh, I God. should never ever do. Never do that. But it's awesome. but even so there's still people that I know that that um only a couple weeks ago, somebody saw the Iron Man 3 trailer and was immediately like, oh, I can't believe they got a fucking white guy playing Mandarin. Blah, blah, blah. Is and he I'm white? like, <laughs> No. No, he's not entirely white, but Isn't even. Is he Indian? Even then? so, like, I mean, so there, then there becomes my, um, my secondary argument. Uh, even if it were an Indian actor playing a Chinese character, how is that any different than a white actor playing a Chinese character? It's not, in my no. opinion. No, well, there's it's this. I under I I completely understand, especially in America, that the dominating racist overtone is white people versus colored people of all colors. Mm-hmm. You know. However, I still am just. It's still aggravating that people will bitch about the fact that 
Ben Kingsley is playing a Chinese character or Johnny Depp is playing a Native American character, which I do think is a little bit a little bit different because of the fact that Tonto is actually still Native American character, mm-hmm. but won't bitch about the reverse. Don't get me started on Tonto. <clears throat> but, uh, okay, so one thing, it takes massive huevos to actually have Mandarin in the movie in the first place because yeah. he's a racist character to begin yeah. with. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I mean, seriously, long fingernails, Fu Manchu mustache, did long any, robes. Did anyone see the spirit re- movie? I never saw it. Nope. No. I felt really nervous about it because of his like incredibly racist sidekick or, you know, racist stereotype of a sidekick from the comics. Was was it a little Asian I don't know kid? enough about the spirit to comment because i don't i don't know his sidekick is in blackface the whole time well not in blackface but he's you know a blackface character from the 40s so i'm curious if and how they updated that was it was it a black kid oh yeah okay it was a black kid well that's how they updated it. they just made it a black kid instead of a kid in blackface they took will smith's son and put him in it because fuck he's in all sorts of movies (laughs) that he doesn't belong in (laughs) your dad's famous we'll put you as the next karate kid (laughs) i like that movie I hate you so much. Right I now. actually like that. It's next, I haven't it's seen it. I the newest karate, the remake of the Karate Kid. It looked like a decent concept. Honestly, you actually watched it. Yeah. Okay. Luke is. You have way too much time on your. Have hands. you seen a it? Fucking horrible person. Have no, you seen it? No. And you know what? I'll make that judgment anyway. I don't give a fuck. Now you're not allowed. No, you I, you I, can't <laughs> make the judgment that it's a bad movie if you haven't seen the fucking movie. I can Period. Make, I can no. I can totally make that judgment. In fact, I'm doing it right now. It's no less enjoyable than the original. But back on back on the Mandarin, I I was kind of pissed off. There's like really are they having Ben Kingsley play a Chinese guy when they could have any Chinese actor play him. And that's and that's part yeah. of my point is yeah. that he's not playing a Chinese guy. No, and and that's a big thing, especially in the movies right now, is that they're having Asian actors don't have any leading roles at all. You know, and a, a Prime right example. now, that's always been the case. Well, yeah, but, <laughs> I mean, no, Lucy Liu. They'll, they'll always Lucy Liu, kind of. You but know, what lead in role what? in a television show for, for a little example. bit? Where but, where has she been a lead role? Charlie's Angels. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, but, and but still flanked by a blonde and a brunette. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. She's a, they, Charlie's Angels. I'm not sure counts. And the only reason that role. I say that is because of the fact that Charlie's Angels is inherently. Um, it inherently sexualizes the characters by placing them into the these hot girl stereotypes, right? Yeah. It's like, ooh, the hot Asian girl, ooh, the hot blonde girl, ooh, the hot brunette girl, and so it's force five, it, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's not really a nice. that that's kind of a leading role, but mm. yeah. So and and uh, one of the main examples they had for Asian characters not getting these roles is uh, the Tom Hanks time traveling movie Cloud Nine, was it? Cloud. I never saw it. Oh, Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Yes, where they had Asian characters in there, but they were just white. Played actors. by white and black actors. Yeah, white and black actors with just eye makeup to make them have so Asian eyes. Yeah, you can't make a film for distribution within a country where you have a leading character that the majority of the people within the country don't identify with. That yep. doesn't Bloody make, think that, you can, but that. So, I don't disagree with you. That doesn't mean that that's not something that needs to change. Well, the, the problem is Word. it's not financially viable. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's the whole and thing. It's all about the money. I mean, ab- absolutely. And, and yeah, here's, here's the thing that I understand about that. Business is business is business, right? You've right. got to appeal to the widest demographic, and that's fine. The problem with this whole scenario is that you're tra- it, is that you can't just change the business and immediately change the mindsets of the consumers that are your 
call your patrons, yeah. right? You need to change the mindsets first and then let the business follow behind. So what a fine catch 22 we're in. Right. The, the part of it, that, the part that I will agree with you with is that I don't think it's, I don't think it's necessarily fair to rag on the movie companies for the way they change things because to them, it's not a race thing; it's a money. It's thing. a profit thing. Mm-hmm. It's like so there's no intentional there's no intentional malice behind right. the decision, which is how I felt that the conversation was sort of going. At. The malice comes with uh, from the and this is it actually led really good into my point because the malice is from from consumers toward the movie companies mm-hmm. that change the the movies and in the in the fact of the Mandarin, it's. You know, nerds who now and the funny thing is that ninety nine percent of the time, Joel and I have had this conversation a million times. Ninety nine percent of this conversation is led by entitled white kids, anyway. Yep. Um, and they they're like, oh, he's so fucking racist. And most oh, of the people, and I'm be, I'm willing to bet that probably ninety four point five percent of the Asian community in this country either a doesn't care or is going, oh, fucking Ben Kingsley is awesome. You know. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, well, that's true. It would be think, interesting to pull that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, one one of the things is it looks like Iron Man three is about the extremist storyline, right? That's what it was We're, part of it. Yeah. 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 Which, I mean, it's got Aldrich Killian. It's got the the super soldiers with the extremist virus in them. It's got rescue. They put and, the Hulkbuster armor in the movie. Yeah, and so, so <laughs> the Mandarin isn't even in that storyline at all. So why they had to shoehorn him in? Because it's the same scenario that regardless of how Spider-Man many times 3. they think they can they're getting away from it. This has happened in super in every successful superhero franchise. It happened with like you said, Spider Man three where all of a sudden now we're we're cramming Venom and Sandman and Green Goblin 2 all in the same movie. All of yeah. them. And then, you know, go back a little bit further. Batman Batman uh, Forever and Batman... <laughs> Batman Batman and Robin, Batman Forever, where, like, Batman Batman Forever was... I'm trying to remember which order they were in. Because Robin was the fourth one, right? Batman, Batman Forever uh, was the third one. Yeah. And Batman and Robin with Alicia Silverstone. Was right. So then, so you've got Batman and Batman Forever, which crammed Two Face and the Riddler into the same mm-hmm. movie, and then you've got Batman and Robin, which crammed. They brought Robin in, or or they brought Robin back, and then they put Batgirl in there, and then they put Poison Ivy, and then they put Bane, and then they put fucking Mister Freeze all in the same fucking movie. Cha-ching. Right. Yeah. So and it, it happens every time. The X three is the same way. Yeah. There's like you've got the. Right, you've got the story of of um, Angel and trying to you know trying to uh, come to grips with his his mutation. You've got Dark Phoenix. You've got the mutant cure. All in the same fucking movie. They were all separate storylines in the comic book yeah. that were all worthy of their own separate focus, and you cram them all into one movie. And they still haven't gotten away from that. You know, yeah. Uh, yeah. X Men Origins Wolverine did the same thing. Yeah. Like they just. Um, a little bit of everything, Saber Two. That's what Deadpool. worries me about the continuation, the what what they're calling the Marvel Two Point right? The uh. the the second phase of the Marvel movies. Yeah, is that they're doing shit like Guardians of the Galaxy? And I'm sorry, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's fun. It's a great. It's not going to make a good movie. 
It's what? I don't know. It's got a character called Rocket Raccoon, who is amazing. <laughs> Rocket Raccoon is a <laughs> in a comic book. In a comic book, yeah, he's a smack talking. They also have a character who's a tree. What? They also have a character. Lord of the Rings had a character who was a tree. Some of these, some of these, some of these things that they're doing just. They're pushing the bounds of their credibility with some of these. Uh, I think some of them are going to be cool. Thor, I just finally saw the trailer for Thor, to, Thor the Dark World, and it looks really decent. Yeah. Um, yeah. I heard today that they actually got their Daredevil license back from They Fox. got the Daredevil license cool. back from Fox, which means they might actually like be able to do something with it. The problem with More that ben is that... Yes. The, the problem is that they're n- no? there's no chance in hell that they're getting the Spider-Man logo or Spider-Man license back from Sony anytime soon, nor is there any chance that they're getting the X-Men license back anytime soon. Um... I don't nope. think they really need the X-Men license. No, I don't think no. so either. Like because it's they, They've built up the Avengers part of the Marvel yeah. use so much. Well, we've had the conversation about the two two disparate halves of the Marvel Universe, right? And, um, I mean, it would be cool to see Spider-Man and Daredevil in the same movie. Like, that would be pretty neat, but... Um, it would be nice if they got into some of the, like, delicious plot bits of Daredevil... Because yeah. that this has got some good storylines. It's like it's a Marvel comic that I bothered to follow for a period of time. The Brewbreaker run was so fucking good. If they got, I mean, really? uh, well, and the Bendis Bendis was around. Bendis, Bendis, was, solid. Bendis was good. If they, uh, yeah, Daredevil is definitely a character that they. Um, I mean, he's a, he's kind of the B list guy who who they could do some really good things with, um, as long as they don't try real hard to shoehorn him into storylines with the the a-list superheroes which is kind of why like i understand why they stuck hawkeye and black widow in the avengers movie because they're in the comic books but coming up we're talking about the hawkeye book um they don't belong they they never have however hawkeye and black widow could be uh could fit in the same world could fit in the same world as as uh as like a daredevil yeah heroes for hire would be amazing with like hawkeye black widow Luke Cage, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Daredevil, you know, like Iron Fist, Iron Fist. Oh God, I love Iron Fist so much. <laughs> so much. Um, I mean, hell, you could even put Spider Man in there because Spider Man, honestly, is like the lowest A rank hero. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he is, you know, like on the bar. Yeah, like, they've they've powered him up in recent years solely to to make him fit. Um, but if you look at Spider Man from Seventies, eighties, and even nineties. He's he's not he's not that top tier level of of power. That no, no. And and going along with kind of our original topic, did you see that the Shocker or Electro actually um, for the next Spider Man movie will be Jamie Fox? Oh, yeah. Who's it's not yeah, a black. It's not a it's not a black supervillain. I, I, I don't think Electro. No, Electro definitely had. You could see him. He was an older white guy, right? Oh yeah. I was, I'm mm-hmm. thinking of Shocker, though. I'm like, I'm probably. I thought he was like in a complete suit no. of armor. No, yes, his name is the Shocker. They and show, throwing they up sh- a Shocker at me right now. I'm like, yep. Shocker okay. is a. Uh, Shocker was the guy that was. A, he's a big bald white guy, isn't he? And I know he's in a suit of armor most of the time, but every time I think about this, I think of that shitty fucking horror movie from the late eighties oh. about the prisoner who, gets who gets and goes, elect- goes in the electric chair and goes into the electrical wires and shocks people through their TVs. Yeah. All right. Um, Can I talk a- about strip search real quick? Yeah, go right ahead. Oh my God. Um, so reality television is not a thing that I like, but Penny Arcade is doing a, 
quote unquote reality show. Milf Island is amazing. Oh, uh, fair enough. Uh, that <laughs> uh, is about the finding. We've already made that joke on the show. Uh, finding the next great web cartoonist, and it it, it. it is it is delightful, freaking delightful. One because it's it's a lot of really well designed challenges, um, and two because. Uh, so the structure is whoever wins whatever challenge has to pick two people who have who in their opinion lost um and then they go head to head with like a elimination challenge where they actually draw a comic and Mike and Jerry sit there and make fun of them a lot um and then destroys the loser's comic in a really impressive way such as cutting a sad face in it or burning it or um, blending it into a smoothie. And Will then it blend? Drink yes, and then drinking it. <laughs> uh, anyway, it's it's great because not only is it fun and funny, but it's also like it's very empowering as like an independent comics creator to watch because like as Mike and Jerry were discussing during one of these elimination things, they're like, we really tried to make this kind of a hell dimension for you, but you persistently like each other and kind of get along and <laughs> stuff um so yes if you're not following strip certs totally worth following i'll have to give it a shot i i don't know i said this on the last show but uh king of the nerds kind of soured me toward trying to go toward any like uh, nerdy reality stuff this is that. good it's, like, it's good stuff it has good uh, people it's got erica moen on it she's neat erica moen's pretty cool comic book men is not no my cup of tea. comic book men is is nearly it's pretty much one of the worst things that ever happened to the comic book industry Um, two words sir particular holograms (laughs) (laughs) gotcha Uh, hey oh So, for the last two weeks, we have been reading uh, Hawkeye, My Life is a Weapon. It is the first trade of Matt Fraction's new uh, Marvel Now uh, Hawkeye book. Uh, It is, as I said, written by Matt Fraction. It's drawn, the first three issues are drawn by uh, Alexandra Aha, and the the second, the fourth and fifth issues are drawn by Brian Polito. it is uh, it it's the story of Hawkeye away from the Avengers, and uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's freaking brilliant. It's pretty it cool. <laughs> um, what do you do when you're a C-rate superhero that hangs out with A-rate superheroes most of the time? And then you go home. You try and assemble a DVD player just like every other fucking schmuck on the face <laughs> of the planet. You, uh, and you, you deal with the fact that you're awkwardly rich compared to everyone else who lives in your tenement building and you're not sure what to do with that. So you try to like throw your money around in really awkward ways. Mm-hmm. Modern Robin Hood? Yeah. Not, uh, kind of, but more awkward. <laughs> Gets paid by the rich to help the poor. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I mean, we were talking about white guilt earlier, and I feel like Hawkeye has a fairly solid uh, chunk, of, chunk of white guilt, but in kind of a compelling way. Compelling, yeah. compelling slash awesome way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, uh, I, I, I got to admit, the uh, the storyline in the first issue when he, uh, 
when he's taking the dog to the vet. Fix um, this dog. He's like, fix <laughs> this dog. It, it that one that one hits home because I'm a dog owner and I always have been, and so you know you you, you see like. The, the dog and they when the vet comes out and he's like well he broke his hip he's broke two legs he's got several cracked ribs and he's lost an eye and my first response was oh, oh no puppy oh but um I uh I enjoyed this book I I kind of knew I would because I mean it, everybody loves it everybody thinks it's awesome yep. um I don't know if it ha- have any of you guys read the Gone Away World by Nick Harkaway I've read bits of it bits of it. Mm-hmm. There, there's this section in the second part, uh, in the second issue, where they go to this party that's being. Um, there's a bunch of performers. Oh yeah, that are, the and night circus thing. The, the night circus thing kind of reminds me of the mimes from from huh. Gone Away World. But if you that. haven't read Gar- Gone Away World, you you wouldn't really know. It's basically a a, a troop of mimes that has turned mimery into a martial art, kind of, and it's uh, it's interesting. <laughs> um, and and touching on touching on the the night circus whatever uh, subject, one of my favorite things out of this book, one of the things that's so awesome, was the um, the several times when somebody is speaking either unintelligibly or speaking another language, and it starts the first time he meets up with the Reg- Russian mobsters, and the guy says, "Hey, Clint, something, something in Russian. Russian," and then continues. And it's written in parentheses. And it's written in parentheses. And then there's a four-panel part at the top of one of the pages in the second issue where it's the leader of this Night Circus thing presenting the opening to his show to his audience. And it says, he says, ladies and gentlemen, and then the caption is ringmaster, ding, ding, ding. And then the second panel is French stuff. Wait, maybe some Italian too? (laughs) <laughs> okay, this guy's name is Maynard Tybalt, and he might have been born in Europe, but he's as French as fries. Le Cirque to Scam, more like it. And then the last panel is just says, French! <laughs> it's like, in parentheses, I, with an exclamation point. I literally had to put the, put the book bit down. I was laughing so hard, because just the, he's got this, like, he's got his hand up by his face, and he's like, he's got his head turned at a jaunty angle, and it says, French! <laughs> Uh, it's so good. And I mean, I think that's a really smart piece of subjectivity because yeah. even though uh, the camera is not very subjective, everything that's going on really is like deeply subjective to Clint, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, it's no big surprise that I'm a huge fan of Matt Fraction stuff, but I absolutely loves or I love how he takes like whatever and just runs with it like French yeah. or um he used to put uh in oh shit, not Thor, but one of the other books that he was writing um Iron Fist? No, no. Def- Defenders? Okay. Uh, like, just, you know, weird things going on at the bottom of the, like, off panel, like, on the very bottom of the page, okay. between the bottom of the lowest panel and the, the actual end of the and paper. And the gutter? Yeah. And there was one of them where he, like, uh, Thor was talking to someone, or there's some Norse gods talking, and it's all in runes. Nice. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, was it more like panel borders, or was it more like Mackey's strips that have, like, the tiny little comic strip at the bottom? Uh, almost more like strips at the bottom, but huh. it was it was independent of the comic itself, but it had to do with the comic, That's what was cool. going on. Um, the first instance I can remember of re- ever reading anything like that was uh, Heroes for Hire, the run from the mid-90s, when the narrator is apparently part of what's going on. So the Heroes for Hire are in a spaceship that is crashing onto Earth, and the narrator is screaming, we're all going to die, we're we're dead, everyone's going to die. This is coming from the narrator, not any of the characters. <laughs> <but> the <person laughs> like boxes, actually, yeah. square. Yeah. 
So the narrator was panicking nice. for a bit. Uh, I am. I'm. I have never seen like I've read a lot of Matt Fraction stuff up to this point now. Um, I've gone back and read a lot of stuff after we started doing the show because I hadn't really I didn't really know much about him before we started doing the show. Um, and I I'm gonna put this out there. I have never seen someone who compliments Matt Fraction's writing better than Alexander Aha. It's really yeah. Good. Uh, so I thought the art was incredibly good. I think good. Gabriel Ba is a, is also like they're neck yeah, and neck. Um, I, I, completely and different reasons. But yeah. Casanova, it, it, Casanova's, inter- I like Gary Gabriel Baugh's art, and I think it does. I think it does well with the subject matter that's put in front of it. But I, for uh, real but, world stuff, but like Asha is the best. So good, like this. The first three issues of this comic book, the the art, and the way it's paired with with Fraction's writing is just is phenomenal. He, it he, is he, so he also good. comes back on it. I'm so I'm glad I'm glad trade. for that because that's actually one of the things I wanted to bring up was that I'm I. I don't mind Brian Polito's art. I don't think that um, it's, it's not as good. It's, it's not. It's cheesier. kind of jarring. Um, his style is really weird because everybody's got like kind of a squat face, and their eyes are too far apart, and they don't mm. point in the same direction. And derp, derp. Um, yeah, they all look a little derpy. Um, and it's it's. I mean, it's not bad art by any means. It's just not. I don't think the style fits. The writing as well, um, no, especially coming off of Aha's run when it's like it is so phenomenally good, really iconic. Um, yeah. The yeah. thing that the thing that I the way that I want to describe his art is that I've been reading a lot of comic books lately that have a similar style to this, um, and it's it's a lot of noir style books. So it's like Michael Walsh and um, uh, Phillips. Um, Sean Phillips. Sean Phillips, Sean Phillips, and a few other guys that have that kind of noir style. However, um, I don't think any of them handle action nearly as cleanly yeah, as I was Aha does. Clean so. is the, the, the yeah. worst yeah. word that comes to mind when I look at the, any of the pages yeah. that he did in this book. I was never confused there's not about what's any, happening. I'm, I don't want to use the term grittiness. I you look at a 1970 Dodge Challenger, you can tell it's a 1970, it's a 1970 Dodge, Dodge Challenger. <laughs> There's no questionable areas on any of the panels. Every yeah. single line has the exact, it's in the place that it needs and it doesn't go outside of that. Mm-hmm. He hasn't sacrificed any clarity for the purposes of drama, right. but still manages to be dramatic. His facial expressions are amazing. Um, like, I, I don't know. I It's, what? What are you showing me? I'm showing you just like the amount of, of nuance in this Oh oh God, that hurts to watch. (laughs) Yeah, wow. Anne is just manhandling the trade right now. That's right. That's why it's a trade. I'm not breaking the spine. Oh no, you're breaking the spine. Fuck that spine. (laughs) (laughs) I'll be the bane of (laughs) trade. Fuck your trade. This (laughs) this will be very painful for your paperback. Yeah, I, I'm just. Um, I was actually. I was. Uh, I was taken kind of aback by how much I liked uh, Aha's art because when, when you glance through one of his books, you don't really see it, right? You you glance through and you're like, okay, it's very, it's very Phillipsy, it's very, it's kind of pulpy noir kind of art. But then, the more I looked at it, the, the economy of. Of the action that he draws and how like everything's like you said it's just everything's in the right place yeah and like, there's never a there's never a question about what's going on in a panel ever yeah. um, it makes like contrasting to Catwoman for example where oh, it's uh, not subjective to the character it's objective mm-hmm, and the mm-hmm. action sequences are fucking confusing yeah well and that's the other thing that I um 
Like I, the the transition to Polito, it's not as it's not as jarring as like the Wonder Woman was mm. going from yeah. uh, what's his butt to Aiken to Todd Aiken. To, it's it's not nearly that jarring. It just it it just it kind of changes the feel of the whole book. Um, and there's another another good example of a, of a time when the artist on a book changed and it changed the feel of the book in a good way was the massive. When they changed from Christian Donaldson to Gary Brown, Gary Brown's artwork, like it just clicked. It fit right. Right. Yeah. You know, and it just, you, you're like, you go, I went back and reread the massive and I read the first three issues that were done by Christian Donaldson. And I'm like, Oh, this is pretty good. But then I got back to, to Gary Brown's art and I'm like, Oh, this is what I was missing. Like, this is, this it, is it fills in the gaps that you didn't even know were there. Yeah, this is the way that it wants to be, and that's what I think Aha does. Like I going, I can imagine reading two or three issues of Brian Polito's art, and then coming back to Alexander Aha and being like, "Oh, okay, now we're back to the way this book should be." Yeah. So there are certain things that I really like about Brian Polito. However, I, some of his characters, I'm just they don't click for me in the right way. Like, I've seen books that he's done that I've been like, this is exactly what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. However, with the tape, which is the second two issues of mm-hmm. this trade, just, um, oh, God, what the fuck is her name? The girl with the mask. The mask. I think she's... Oh. Madam Mask. Madam Mask. Madam Mask. Thank you. Uh, like, the first time I ever saw her was with... Um, shit. It was in uh, Dark Rain. Um, it was her and um, there's another supernatural guy, mm-hmm. uh, The Hood. And I'm like, okay, this is how these characters are so sp- supposed to be. Then I saw her again in Iron Man. Apparently, she had a fling with Tony Stark for a while. Did not know that. And I'm like, okay, this, you know, no, it still fits. Who didn't really? Uh, Wolverine. Lol. <laughs> Do you know that for sure? Fact. Yes. Uh, I don't know. What about alternate universes? Uh, w- let's not go into that. Uh, but then I see <laughs> Madame Mask in Tony Stark had a creepy uncle. You don't know it wasn't Logan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Which one wears the suit? <laughs> uh, but to go back to this real quick, like it's her facial expression or lack thereof really is out of place within his style. Mm. Like, I mean, he does do some simplified stuff, but it, it just doesn't click with that. Well, frankly, it seemed kind of a contrivance. It was like the only reason Madame Mask is even in this is so that they can have a reason for Kate Bishop to be able to hide and do the things that she yeah. does without her face showing. Yeah. Well, Madame Mask, her whole thing is she's she's a weapons dealer for bad guys. I don't, I, I, that didn't bug me because frankly, none of the other villains that were there, I was like, they don't have a reason to be there either. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Kingpin was the only one that makes sense, but that's only because Kingpin's always everywhere whenever anything is like high level bad. Except for those three years that he was in Spain. Well, sure. Um, so, aside from, aside, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're laughing now. What if I was having a heart attack? You'd feel really bad if I died in the middle of this show. No, I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, you probably wouldn't. Uh, uh, maybe the, look, they conquered Kickass. Aside from aside from the uh, the the change in the artwork, the change in the storyline actually, um, I don't know. It bothered me a little bit. The really? tape storyline. Yeah. I, I liked it. The tape storyline. The execution of it was fine because it's fucking Matt Fraction, yeah. right? It's like he, he he's he rarely missteps. <laughs> I, I thought you were gonna say he can do no wrong, and I'd be like, whoa, whoa, no. whoa, whoa! <laughs> no, that's, case that was you very diplomatic. Didn't read it. <laughs> no, um, he rarely missteps, and but for some reason, and 
I'm probably entirely wrong because I know how the I know how the Marvel architects work and I know how Fraction works. I'm tar- but it f- almost felt like that storyline was like somebody up higher than Matt Fraction going, "Okay, we need to have this in the book somewhere so that you can worry about it later." Put that in there. Do it however you want it, but do it. The entire tape storyline. Yeah, line? yeah. And I don't know. There was just it was weird to me because of the fact that um, the the first three issues I really liked because it was just it was literally just Clint Barton and, and Kate Bishop mm. kind of just dealing with low level shit. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's like Avengers pick him up and they're like, we need you to go on this mission for things. And I and I kind of felt like that was the whole point of this book was that it wasn't the Avengers sending him on missions. It was him away from them doing his own thing and it at a lower level. After this goes back to the whole him dealing with his apartment complex and yeah. all that sort of stuff. There's um I think it's issue eight has to do with the week of Christmas where like he gets done fighting with the Avengers and he's like just looks beaten. He's he's sitting there and he's just like <sighs> Tony Stark's like, you should you should take some time off. He's like, I, I can do that. He's like, Yeah, yeah just go. He's like, Okay, see so you guys in a couple <laughs> weeks. Wow. And then Bye. It's, it's Tony Stark and um Clint at like Clint's apartment and Tony Stark's like, You still haven't set up your, your DVD player and your TV and stuff? He's like, No, I'll get to it. It's like uh December twentieth. You know, that's when that conversation <laughs> December twenty first, he's just sort of still staring at the whole thing. It's like <laughs> I don't know how any of this works. December twenty second, something else happens. December twenty third, <laughs> like he's talking to his neighbors, and they're like, "Yeah, our, our our satellite isn't working right, and that's um, the landlord won't fix it." So he goes to talk to the landlord, and the landlord's like, "Look, I'm old, I'm fat, it's icy on that balcony, and there's a fucking arrow stuck in the receiver." Quinn's <laughs> 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 like, "Yeah, I'll take care of it." Yeah, that uh. That's what I, I I love the feel of the first few issues just because like I mean the entire third issue is Clint getting drawn into stupidity because of some chick he happened to sleep with mm-hmm. you know at the wrong time well, and he like ran into her yeah and wanted to buy her car and then the the as he calls them the 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 tracksuit track mafia, mafia shows yeah. up and bro. Bro, I'm, I'm showing them. Bro, bro. bro. Yeah. bro. Mo- Monday, December seventeenth, where he's <laughs> nice. It's Clinton Barton in his apartment, and he's saying, "Okay, Clint, you can do this. Okay, boxes. Start with all of the boxes. My laser discs." <laughs> <laughs> the one thing that bothered me about the first three issues were that they started with the exact same thing. I like that though. I think that's the point. <sighs> what did you like about it? <sighs> Because to me, I, I felt like if it had gone on any wait, further, I'd be like, well, Clint, does it look it's bad? Him does it? Is it's him jumping out of windows? It's not necessarily jumping out of windows. Jumping it's just either something. into a swimming pool or out of windows. Okay. Like jumping, falling, falling and being like, well, this is uh, this looks bad. This looks bad. Yeah. Okay. I I love that. Theme. But honestly, I actually like, really liked that, too. I like yeah. the I like the kind of connecting you know, opening to each issue and yeah, thematic. Well, because it, yeah. because yep. he, well, he explains for me because it's not just him jumping out of windows. Because it starts the, the third issue starts with him getting in the car chase. No, he's in the char- car chase. That's second okay. issue. First issue is him falling out of a window. Second issue is him falling into the swimming pool at the thing. And the third issue is him in the uh, in the Ford. car car chase. Yeah, the car chase. Okay, so Dodge, yeah. third issue, for example, I feel like it. I was a little weirded out by the retrospective narration, not entirely, but because the retrospective narration comes in at bad idea number seven, but he's going to tell you that he has had nine bad ideas. Yeah. The timing was weird for me on that one. 
that that is a callback in my opinion to Five Nightmares, the Iron Man story, where it's all about Tony Stark talking about the five things he is most scared about. And if I remember correctly, it starts off with number four. Did it, it work then? Yes. Came in, it yes, came it in did. at nine. He says he says nine here, and then it says dumb idea number nine is where it starts on the next page. Elect- I guess he's counting arrows. down to one. He's though. counting down to one. Yeah, but this is not dumb idea number one. No, no. no. I don't know. It just it struck me as weird that. I always, but I always love that in in pulp stories where you see the main character in there in a sticky situation, and then it goes well. Let's get. I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's go back to how Explain. I got myself into this. Blah, blah, blah. Yes, yeah. Yeah. I like and then that it too. goes back through the story and. Uh, that's the reason why I like the first three stories because it would explain. Okay, this I'm in a bad situation. Well, hey Clint, how did you get into a bad situation? Well, actually, this is what happened. Um, where the tape, the tape scenarios were just kind of really stayed storytelling. Where hey, we have a problem, I need to go get this tape. Things happen. Oh, we get the tape at the end. Oh, I tell Kate not to come, and oh, look who shows up! Hey. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess eventually, I just wanted him to be like falling out of a window, shooting an arrow, and being like, "Well, it's another Tuesday." <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, not in this book, but in well, what will be the next trade? Would you actually talk about the book that we read instead of talking about what comes but, after it? But a little it bit. All, it all blends together for me, though. Is the problem? <laughs> it's like, okay, which normal week of this guy's life do you want to talk about? I'm just like, yeah. it's all about the same. Fall out of windows. You yeah. were in the middle of something, Joel. What were you saying? Well, uh, and, and that's how the the tape was. Was it was it was a lot like a sitcom where you you had the beginning. Oh, we've got a problem, and then you know shenanigans happened, and then yeah. the, the tape is found. It's a little and, bit isolated. Yeah. Uh, so and there wasn't any kind of inventive storytelling in it like the first three were. And it sounds like it goes back to that later on. It. I really yeah. liked the that's trick arrows it, thing it, in the third one. Yeah, Sorry. I did too. I just. Yeah. That's why I that's and that's why I felt like it it didn't feel like what Fraction had set up with the first three issues. It mm. didn't feel like it was him doing his thing. It felt like somebody was like, This is something that we need you to put in the book. So yeah. please do that somehow, however you want to do it. Um Although and, it does most thematically relate to the title of the trade, My Life as a Weapon. This is true. It does. It it absolutely does. Um The one Go ahead. Oh, one one thing I was also going to say is Matt Fraction is really good at writing rich smart asses. Yeah. Uh, the, the last, <laughs> I mean, he did he did Iron Man before, and he was really good at being snarky Tony Stark. Casanova. Tony Stark. Casanova. Yeah. Casanova <laughs> it was like too. Casanova. Yeah, um. and there was more of this too, and I I love that character, like you were saying, where he's just throwing in all this irreverence into it. instead of mm-hmm. having French. You know, French. translated is just <laughs> French. Yeah, and it doesn't. It kind of makes fun of itself. It really makes fun of itself while it's going through this story too. So it's a, it's an enjoyable romp. And the trench, or not the trench coat mafia, but the the tracksuit track mafia, the tracksuit mafia. All of them saying, "Bro, bro that yeah, was bro fun. is awesome." Yeah, it was uh, the Russian, bro. like Russian frat, Russian bro, frat boys. bro, bro. I, Cause I, lots of trouble, bro. You get what I'm saying? Bro? Of all cars to steal, bro, <laughs> and bro, if you got it scratched, bro. He kill you even more than Alray. Oh, yeah. yeah. The the bro <laughs> is pretty well. Fucking amazing. Yeah, through I, that. I love the tracksuit mafia is phenomenal. Yeah, Just yeah, they really are. It's like Eastern European. Yeah, they they could be the Italian mafia, you know, because they're known for their their velour suits, and 
And instead, no, I'm going to make these guys rush. The but I'm suits? Yeah. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. It's a thing. And th- instead of just making them Russian mafia where they're leather trench coats, no, we're, we're going to give them track suits and uh, have them say bro. like Felt kind gangsters. of like uh, what's-his-face out of Everything is Illuminated, the character that Eugene Hoots plays. Yeah. I, I, I have no idea that. what you're talking about. Is the leader of the tracksuit mafia shown in the first five? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. he goes the, to the poker game, okay. remember? Okay. Yeah. Large bag of money, and then it's awkward. Mm. Which yeah. I really appreciated that. As like it, things are really not easy for Clint, despite like him being an Avenger and having large bags of money. Not S- easy. Superhero, well invested. Things are a little bit difficult sometimes. Bro, what are you, bro? Fairy godmother? <laughs> this lot of money, bro. Should cover the markup for every everyone in the building. All cash, tax free, bro. <laughs> it's so good. I I love the dialogue in this yeah. book. It's, it's Th- and that's I why I wish there was more of that, you know. But instead, it goes to international espionage with the tape, and then some tacked on Young Avengers story. Mm-hmm. So here's something that is not my thought, but a thought that I was discussing this uh, series with a friend. And he was feeling frustrated. Andy, you can speak to this, I'm sure, uh, because this goes beyond things that are in this book. Sorry, Luke. Uh, <laughs> ha! That Shit. Reading this as single issues has paid off. So Clint's relationship with meh, Kate, somebody, Kate, Kate Bishop. like becomes a thing and becomes his motivation? I wouldn't go that far. He, my friend was feeling frustrated with that because he's like, look, the beginning starts out with, you know, not being completely obsessed with like romance storyline, romance based or romance motivated storylines and then kind of devolved into that. It seemed very Hollywood, seemed like mm. meh. I think it's a natural progression and I don't think it's playing out like in a stereotypical manner, mm. but it is sort of following the natural course of things. They got something in common. Yeah. So one I of the both like to shoot arrows at people. <laughs> <laughs> one of the things They've that I will bring up... Hawk in their superhero title. One of the things I want to bring up about Kate Bishop, I love the character as Matt Fraction writes her. Uh, this particular trade has a single issue of oh. uh, Young Avengers no, in doesn't. the back. No, it does not. And that issue involves... Was a huge pain <sighs> in my ass. Oh, involves Kate Bishop as Hawkeye basically... I don't know if it's test being tested by Clint Barton as an Avenger, I guess. So here's here's the here's the problem. The first five issues of this comic book, as Matt Fraction writes Kate Bishop, she's she is smart. Smart. She's beyond her years, she's self reliant. Very self reliant, very cunning. Um doesn't always make the best decisions, but that doesn't that really have you that well, that's, Clint doesn't either. But. Right. Think think of the moments of her sexuality too. In the fraction stuff, it's her just kind of like ogling Clint as he puts his shirt on it's, in the car, being like, "Really?" It's Young the Avengers. Abs. Sure. Then they go They're to the really Young Avengers abs. issue. They go to the Young Avengers issue, and she makes out with all of her teammates. Oh my god! <laughs> and the whole issue is like—I mean, it starts out on a date, Jeez. and that's okay. But then the whole segment where she's with what's the f- the speedster, what's whatever, it, whatever his fuck yeah. name is, where Speedo. she totally just like. 
turns into, oh, he's cute, and I think I'm going to kiss him. And, oh, my God, he's such a rebel, and he's going to take me to go get my bow back. And, oh, let's go. Let's go get my bow back with the speedster. And that's the thing. And it's so aggravating because I like the character so much in the first part of the book. She's got got wits. She's got agency. She's fucking intelligent. And then in that fucking Young Avengers, she's a walking stereotype. She's very reactive. She's like, oh, what's happening? Let me me stole my bow because he made a good shot. I don't know what to do. (laughs) You should go get it back. I mean, seriously. Get your bow back. Let's go get your bow back. I don't I know what I should... I don't know if I can do I this by myself. Can I, have, can I have more alcohol and can you be really hot? Just, oh my god. It's so <laughs> fucking bad. It's really bad. And, it's, and, and it should not have been included in this trade. Exactly. It is, you should have read it Hawkeye. It does not belong you should, here. You should have read Matt Fraction's Hawkeye and then been like, oh, there's another story by someone else. <laughs> but it's, I, I it's really done by rack, Matt Fraction, though. No, it's not. No, no. It's, no it's, it's written not. by someone else. If it was, um, I'm hoping. <laughs> where is it? Where, where is it? Where is what it? is that noise? It <laughs> <laughs> it's like a baby velociraptor. Uh, it's, Matt Fraction wrote it. No, it says in the beginning. No, oh, Matt he did. did write it. God damn yeah. it. That makes me it's sad. It's penciled by Alan Davis. Yeah, and see, that's that the, makes me sad. That's because probably it's why like, they included it. it. He she doesn't have the same personality, though. Chameleon, Matt. Maybe Matt. It's Young Avengers. It's just what, like what, Young are, Titans. what are you doing? That, what, this what are you is for doing, teenagers. This is me talking to you, Matt Fraction. Why? What? You're, what? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Think of your life. Think Look, of your choices. In in his defense, I do have to say this was during Civil War, which was 2006, 2007, when he was this just first getting into comic no, book Casanova's writing. Casanova is older than that. Casanova is older than that. I Think so. It might be. Are but you sure that this issue of Young Avengers was actually published mm-hmm. that long ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's yeah, back yeah, when yeah, back when Hawkeye when Clint war. was okay. when Clint was Ronan. Because so this yeah. is yeah. before World War Hulk, and yeah. Anyways, I am showing my Marvel tude. Dropping but, the knowledge bombs. Yeah. Bill so Simon. so for one, the Young Avengers is meant for teenagers, so you can't get too adult. And it has, to, it has to be that is super such a bullshit. No, of bullshit. but it, no, it's yes. true for for those like but, it's but like it's the like the only Titans. thing you can't talk about in young adult literature is abortion. True, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it it all has to do with everything hooking else up with fair. other people. I mean, Teen Titans is just like this too, where everybody's dating the, everybody else. That doesn't mean that that's Avengers what it has to be. So and then good, also though. the art too. If you notice, it's done by Alan Davis, sure. who's like super. Nice and clean and all commercial and shiny. Well, here's here's because okay. it's for people. It's who not. It's not that it's about. It's not that it's about dating. It's not that it's about teenage angst. It's not that it's all. It's that relationships. It's. I don't mind that there's things about relationships in there because I have to assume that Kate Bishop will want to be in a relationship at some point in her life. Mm. However, the way that he wrote the character is wildly different now knowing that that book was published six seven years ago something Mm -hmm. like that i can see an argument being made that that was how she was at that point in time and that she has grown into the character that is now in the new Mm -hmm. hawkeye however you start the book off with you start the book off with her being a grown-up and then you go back and read this this other book that there's no reason for its inclusion at all nope it's just a they got to make a trade so they, six I guess six issues. That's Marvel's rule. 
Yep. Why? Why they make a six issue uh, soft cover so they can make a four issue hardcover? That's Fuck just off! Whatever, dude. That's how it works. Yeah, I know. They're they're we've talked about their terrible, <laughs> terrible handling of their trades. Uh, uh, Two thousand eight. Anyway, so and then also this also is telling that with Young Avengers he had a lot more editorial control on him. Sure. Put upon him that because makes sense. Young Avengers has to be a sure certain reads way. like it exactly, which I can say was probably the same case with Fear itself because oh, he yeah. can't really do his own thing. He is like, okay, you got to you have this Fear path, itself. Fear itself as a standalone seven issue series was can unreadable. We, can we just yeah. not talk about Fear? Itself? Yeah. I know, but I'm just saying that's the reason why because he had to shoehorn this uh, everybody else's ideas into his own. Okay, bot, so where if, it looks if like anyone would have told me, okay, so Matt Fraction's writing a book. Um, the covers are going to be by Eminem, weren't they? Yeah, Eminen. Stuart Eminem. Stuart Eminem, and then you know the internal artist by um, Copiel. Yeah, and I'm like, was Oliver like, Coipel? Yeah, I'm just like, okay, this is going to be perfect. And then I read it, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to read a couple more issues. All my dreams are dead. I so getting off that subject, yeah. um, <laughs> the reason why it's so strikingly bad is because the, the first five so are so strikingly good. Yeah. This is this is one of the best books I've read for the show, and it, I that's saying a lot to me because I'm not I'm really not enjoying the big two right now. I'm not enjoying Marvel Now stuff. I I had dumped Hickman's Avengers because I got tired of it. I um I dumped Uncanny Avengers. I'm still reading Captain America, and I'm kind of losing interest in it. And I like I love Remender, and I love Jar- John Romita Jr. and I can't. I'm not having. In, I'm not having fun with this. Yeah. I'm wary. I was initially very interested in Brian Wood's X Men book, uh, the all female team, but now I'm really kind of wary of it because okay. of the other stuff that I've read that is by supposedly phenomenal creative teams uh. and is turning out to be a little disappointing. So, On the other hand, this is has exceeded phenomenal. my expectations. So to like, I mean, I'm obviously the Marvel person here. Joel maybe could argue, like, yeah, no, that. you are, but you're definitely more to, Marvel. To give you an idea of you know, sort of me as a Marvel fan, I am not reading a single X book right now, none. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, I am reading Avengers spinoffs though. Yeah, spinoffs. And you yeah. read Wolverine and Jubilee, didn't you? Yeah, I, like, I, I, I read I, that. I am a you huge know what? X-Men fan. I think they're phenomenal. That was that was the four issue miniseries, right? Where yeah. he was trying to help her deal with the fact that she was a vampire. Yeah. Uh, first three issues, really good. Fourth issue. Fourth there. issue, just steaming shit right on the chest of the rest of that storyline. Did, did they have a kid? Uh, no, it just oh, okay. it just it. Sorry. That one was called Twilight. It went. Oh, okay. It was awesome. It went great. It was a great. Like, there's a lot of great character inter- interaction between Wolverine and Jubilee, and then all of a sudden. <laughs> They like get dumped into another dimension, and has what happens there has nothing to do with the setup in the storyline. It's it was awful. I reviewed it. <laughs> That's why it's in my head because I reviewed it, and it was oh fucking terrible. <sighs> On the opposite end of that spectrum, though, Hawkeye, Hawkeye. my life is a weapon. Uh, Hawkeye, no, just not don't even narrow it down to the trade. Okay, well, ha- yes, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye, current Hawkeye book, which I hope that they come out with decent hardcovers because I will own this in hardcover. Um, and just rip out the Young Avengers. Book. I'm hoping they don't put that into a hardcover, mm. which wouldn't surprise me if it's a book. If it's from a book from 2008, then it wouldn't surprise me if they just put hot. I'm hoping here's if if anybody um, 
if anybody out there that works for Marvel listens to this podcast ever, please don't put that fucking Young Avengers issue in the hardcover of, of Hawkeye. Please don't. Please don't. Just just restrict it to uh, Matt Fraction's um, current run on Hawkeye. Um, so I think it's phenomenal. If we're going to go buy, borrow, burn, insta-buy for me, uh, Andy. <laughs> well, like, like there's is a that question. like an A+. plus? You can't do that. It's a buy, borrow, burn. It's not insta buy, borrow, and burn. It's not like a mythic rare. Don't I, worry about I, it. Okay. Right. I'm, I'm going to go with a double hyper buy <laughs> on, on my side. Anne, what do you think? Uh, so this is going to sound bizarre. I'm going to go with go buy either issue one, two, or three. Uh, if it's the trade, borrow it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Why do we issue even two, have this really. grading issue scale two. in the first place? Which you guys don't, don't, don't even don't fuck, it. Don't fucking throw a wrench in the works now, asshole. This is 43. Buy, borrow, or burn, like you said. I or hyper buy. I will Double hyper buy, thank you very much. Super okay. duper ultra S- uh, Super hyper buy turbo. No, I actually, I, actually, <laughs> I, did, I did buy this. The so, buy inning. Uh, I, yeah. I have bought this. Hyper buy two, the electric boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but buy it. Borrow buy the it. trade because. Yeah. Just because of that last fucking, just because of that Young Avengers. Oh, if you yeah. do buy the first uh, trade, just, like take Andy's advice. Just rip that Young Avengers issue out of it. Just grab, split it at those pages, tear it off at the spine, read the Hawkeye stuff, and, go, and don't worry about the rest. And honestly, the, the, for me, what was good about this was was Matt Fraction's writing and like a lot of the, the character and craft that went into it. And I think you can totally get that out of a single issue. So if you've bought a single issue, you're like, it turns out this is the best thing ever, then you won't feel bad about buying the rest of it. And if you're like, all right, I got what I needed to get. I'm done. That's cool. Too. I think issue yeah, one and man. two are on like third or fourth printings at this point. But mm-hmm. yeah, don't. It doesn't matter. Just go get them. All right. So for the next episode, we are doing Eddie's suggestion of The Sixth Gun, Volume 2. Uh, I don't remember what it's called. I don't either, but uh, it's good, so who cares? Yeah, it's like, um, oh, I've read The them. one in the bio. Yeah. Sure. With Loa. Yep. It's awesome. With the Loa. It's the one that's set in Bears New, so New Orleans. It's really good. Um, so, and Eddie will be back for that show. He was on last night's After the Fact episode, but couldn't make it up for this one, so how's he his, will be back. How's his toe? Um, his toe is supposedly back to normal. Um, normal-ish. Normal-ish, yeah. Uh, after that, the show after that, we are going to be doing... What the fuck did I write down for that show? You, you put it on your iPod I or whatever. put it on my iPhone. IPad. I put it on my iPhone. I forgot what it was. Oh, Superior. That's right. We're doing a Joel suggestion of Superior on the show after that. And then... Blah! And then Andy's uh, suggestion is Nor, a collection of crime comics. It is a Dark Horse publication from sometime in 2012. It's got Sean Noir. Noir. Baker, Fabio Moon. Yeah, um, Brian Azzarello, yeah. Gabriel yes. Baugh, Alex DeCampi. Lots of cool people. So, it's yeah. fucking amazing. Yeah. Okay, so it, we will be doing a it's Noir. Like bad Noir. News Noir collection. Mm-hmm. Um, it might be the smallest book that I think we'll ever do. Yeah. Possibly, yeah. All right, uh, so those are the next three shows. Those will uh, be over the course of um, 
the of the Junes or the Mays and the <laughs> somethings. I don't know. All of the Mays. Uh, I know that just for, for fair warning on everybody, there's probably going to be a gap in the show toward the end of May because I'm going to be gone for two weeks. So uh, if we can manage to get things recorded and edited and out around that in such a way that we don't need to have a gap, then we won't have a gap. But uh, just let everybody know. what. Can you, can you remotely post those? Like if, I, if, I, if they're I, ready, like just be like release, unleash the hounds. Of yes, trade secrets. Unleash upon. the dragon. Yeah, yeah. I, c- I can schedule the releases, but yeah, um, Andy and I can do another show that because it went so that was fucking well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was better than the fucking Castlevania episode from <laughs> after, the pa- <laughs> uh, after the fact that started with an apology from you, uh-huh, a uh-huh. drunken apology. Joel and I did not hit that level. <laughs> no, <laughs> there was horse cock though. Horsecock! I could uh, I could let Andy try and take over the show. Again. No, <laughs> that's, that's a bad idea. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> We've seen how that does not turn out. <laughs> All right, so yeah, we've got the next three episodes uh, planned out. Uh, if you like the show, rate us on iTunes, get us some ratings and reviews, because this show, unlike After the Fact, is not ending, so the ratings and reviews on iTunes can actually help us out and get yeah, us more Yeah, we're listeners. here to stay, bitches. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, if Consistent you, <laughs> membership is the key to the podcast. <laughs> yes. uh, you, can, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, the main show feed is at Trade Secrets Pod. I am at Geek Elite. Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Uh, Joel is at Superfly, spelled off. Oddly, uh, Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. If you type in Superfly, you will come up with Joel. Just remember, he's got Joel Simon there because there's another guy who spells it exactly like you, except with an I at the end instead of a Y. So really? it's like Superfly with an I. And it's even I the S O O P E R. Oh, really? Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, you can follow us all on Twitter. We talk about random shit, and, and the show feed talks about like our show announcements and everything. Uh, you can uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast. Uh, if you want to be a part of the show with questions or comments, or anything like that, you can email us at afterthefact at geekerific.com. Uh, this has been episode 70. No. That's after the uh-huh. fact. You fucked up. Almost. Almost made it. Uh, this, you know, there will be a point where I'm only on one show at a time, and that will be fucking amazing. <laughs> can you imagine uh, an off week? Like a week where you don't have to do anything? <laughs> I'm just going to be walking around my house talking into a mic for a couple hours a week. <laughs> it's unplugged. Dogs just staring like, at you. Colt, what did you think of all this? <laughs> uh, this has been episode 44 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. Thank you, Andy, for letting us use your apartment. Yeah, anytime. Man. Thank you, Joel, for coming and joining us. Thank you, Anne, for being on the show. Huzzah! I am Luke, and we are out. Like all, every single, uh, I'm, I might be wrong. It might be Aja.
Take on me. Take on me. What are you saying? Finish your thought. Joel was singing, all right? What do you want from me? Uh, Like any of the the combination between Fraction and uh Aha is those. (laughs) Just end it there. I'll be gone. Okay. Doodle do 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 do.